Good morning. All right, now let, for the rest of you guys, good morning, church. That's much better. That's much better. Hey, if you're new here, if this is your first time at Connect, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Pastor Deej. I'm one of the pastors here at Connect. And if you're for the first time here, maybe you're watching us on cable or online, I just want to say welcome. I'm so glad you're with us. It's a beautiful day outside, and you decided to be here. So I, I, I hope that, that, that you receive everything that God has for you this morning. Can I have an amen? amen. Uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Derek Fry, has been on vacation. He just came back yesterday. He's right here. Where is he? Excellent. He's not right here. I don't know where he is. These lights are kind of blinding. But anyways, I just wanted to say, I just wanted to honor our pastor because it is really, um, every time I, I, I preach here and I'm preparing a message, I realize how long it takes and, and how long it takes to, to research, to read, to prepare a message uh, and everything else that goes along with it. And, and he does that week after week after week after week. And he's also planning series and the themes and the seasons for uh, throughout the year. It's a lot of work. Plus on top of a gazillion things that he does uh, that's not necessarily related to Sunday. So let's give it up for a pastor. Let's honor him. Now we are in our SummerSlam series. Today is week three. We're doing week three of SummerSlam. Let's come on, say SummerSlam. Summer uh, we kicked it off with Pastor Anthony Miles. He, he did an amazing message. Were you here for that? Raise your hand if you were here for that. He had an amazing, amazing message. He was talking about the woman that was caught in adultery, brought to the feet of Jesus. And, uh, and, and when, when, when she got there, she realized a few things that she can receive from Jesus. She received acceptance. She received love. She received forgiveness. And she realized that the only way to go, when you're at the feet of Jesus, the only way to go is up. Am I right? So that was a very good message. Last week we had one of our own, Pastor Mark McCatherine, brought a powerful message as well. He was talking about, the message title was, Between There and There. He was talking about the life of David, between when he was um, anointed to be king as a kid still, and when he became a king, and everything that went on in between. But the focus was not necessarily what happened in between, but it was his attitude while he was going through everything that he was going through. And it relates to us so much because we are always between there and there, aren't we? There's always point A, point B, and we're always on a journey. And, and our attitude uh, during the journey, it really will dictate exactly how uh, we get there, how strong we get to the finish line. Can I have an amen? amen. Now, today I'm going to talk about something completely different. So you can get your worship guides out. You can open up your app on uh, your, your smartphone, a new version. Get your digital Bibles out. Get your real Bibles out if you have one. Just get ready to go. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So I'm going to start telling you a story about this older couple. They were, they were in their probably early 90s. Um, and you know that they are already past the time when they need to start taking notes. You know, otherwise they forget things. Uh, so, so they are watching TV. And uh, the wife tells the husband, the wife says, honey, can you please get me some ice cream? And then, and then he goes like, yeah, sure, I can. And as he starts to get up, you know that can take 10, 15 minutes. Uh, as he starts to get up and then she keeps on, on talking, and she says, well, I would like some whipped cream with that too. And then and he says, okay, fine, ice cream and whipped cream, I can do that. And then she goes like, well, maybe you should write it down because I also want some strawberries uh, on top of it. And then, she, and then he goes like, no, I, I can remember that. And she says, well, hot fudge as well. You know, just like four things. Can you remember that? Yes, I can remember that. So he goes into the kitchen. 25 minutes later, he comes back with a beautiful plate of fried eggs and bacon. Because <laughs> he forgot. But the kicker is that she looks at him 
And she says, well, you forgot that I also asked for, um, for, uh, for a toast. <laughs> you see, forgetting things sometimes can be funny. There are many funny stories about that. Forgetting things can also be uh, difficult and hard sometimes. It, it can be a painful thing. Sometimes we forget uh, a deadline that we have for a project at school or maybe a project at our jobs. Sometimes we, we forget our wallet at home and we realize that when we are at the security line at Logan Airport. Uh, that did not happen to me. Uh, sometimes we forget, sometimes we forget uh, anything. We forget uh, dates that we have with our spouse. That's very bad. Uh, sometimes we forget to pick up our kids from school. That's also very bad. So, again, nothing like that ever happened to me. But forgetting things can also be a painful experience. So it can be a funny experience. It can be a painful experience. But sometimes I venture to say to you that sometimes forgetting things, is, it's, it's necessary. It's, it's a necessity. Sometimes we need to forget a couple of things. Sometimes we need to put a few things behind and not necessarily bring it up. And that is precisely what I want to talk to you guys about today. Can we just bow our heads in prayer? Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity that I have to be here on this platform, Lord, and, and speaking to your church. God, I pray that you speak through me, Lord, and you, you, you prepare every heart, including mine, to receive what you have for us. Meet, meet us exactly where we are and challenge us, Lord, in, in, in a loving way to be able to grow closer to you, Lord, and to be able to fulfill the purpose and calling that you have for each one of us. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen, amen and amen. So a long time ago... Uh, I was doing some work in my yard, and that in itself is, is a rare uh, occasion. So I was doing some work in my yard, and I had a little bucket uh, that I was going to use for some stuff. And then all of a sudden, I noticed this little blue jay bird. How many of you know what a blue jay bird is? It's, it's a beautiful bird. So I see this blue jay bird, and, and I'm looking at it, and, and it, it's, it's like picking up a few things here and there, and then it starts dropping those things in the bucket. So it picks up a little dirt here, a little dirt there, huffs over there, gets another little tree branch, another set of like a, a few leaves, puts inside the bucket. And, and he, it does that like for four, maybe five dozen times. It does a lot. And it just accumulates a lot of stuff in the little bucket. I'm just observing it because it's a beautiful thing to see. All of a sudden, it picks up that bucket and it starts flying very hard, flapping its wings so hard, and it goes to maybe eight or ten feet high, and then it has a heart attack, it collapses and dies. Now, I hope you don't believe that story because it's not true. Now, why am I telling you this? Because birds are not stupid to do that. They are smart enough not to try to carry, you know, maybe five or ten times their weight because they know they won't be able to fly. Am I right? So we, human beings, we are supposed to be the smart ones. We are the ones that are able to think and process things, and yet we are the ones that often do something similar to that. We, we, we go through life and we are accumulating all these negative experiences, all of these negative thoughts, all of these things that we carry along with us, and, that, and, and then we let it shape us because we, we, we just don't fly right. We're not able to get to the altitude, to the, to, the, yeah, to the altitude that God wants us to fly in simply because we are carrying too much weight. Am I right? But we do that. And so today's big idea, this is in your notes, today's big idea is to fulfill our calling, to fulfill our purpose, we need to get rid of some stuff. We need to get rid of some stuff. So look to your neighbor and say, you got to get rid of some stuff. Look to your second choice and say, I mean, you got too much weight, you got to lose some weight. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't say that. Don't say that. But there are many things that we carry on a daily basis that can really weigh us down. And, and that is, is just a bad thing. Think of a car, for instance. The more weight you put on a car, the more gas it will take. So the more it's going to cost you. 
the more effort the engine will have to make to get to whatever speed you want to go, if you ever get there, the more it's going to wear out the tires, the more it's going to wear out the, the engine. Isn't it right? Because it's carrying too much weight. And we do that. We carry so much weight. And that can come in in our lives as uh, sometimes it's, it's a repetitive sinful behavior that sometimes we may have or addictions or fear of all types or guilt for the things that we've done in the past or regrets for things that we've done in the past or for things that we didn't do that we should have done uh, in the past. It comes in many shapes and forms, right? So if, I thank God that Salvation is not dependent on us having this all worked out. We are saved by grace through faith. We're saved so we can go to heaven. And then with salvation, we receive the Holy Spirit, which then we have the power to work these things. Like according to uh, Ephesians 3.20, by the power that is within us, we can do amazing things. But it's a process. It's not necessarily instantaneous. So we, we keep on carrying these things. It's a process to be able to work this out. Can I have an Amen. It would really take several Sundays for us to be able to address the, these things, all of these things uh, together. So today I'm going to focus on something that basically everyone in this room uh, struggles with or has struggled with in the past. And, and the key word is regret. Come on, say regret. I would venture to say, though, that we have here today maybe a, a, a handful of people that don't suffer with regrets. They don't have any regrets. They don't think about any of these things. Uh, they just live life. They're happy every single day uh, or most of the days. Uh, do you believe that? Do you think it's possible? It is possible. You just go downstairs, take a left, go into Connect Kids. Good luck getting through security. Um, and you go into the infant room, and, 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 and you're going to find them there. Not the teachers, though, the kids. You're going to find them there. Or maybe you go into the toddler room. You might be lucky as well. But what we come to realize is that very soon in our lives, regrets start to pile up. Isn't that right? Regrets, all the things that we repent uh, doing, starts to pile up very quick. And today, right now, I want to take a look at three major sources or three, uh, three major um, reasons and, and causes of regrets. So the number one is this. This is in your notes. Number one is pride. Say pride. Pride is one of the number one um, causes of regret. We are, we are driven by pride so many times, and sometimes we don't even notice it. Until after the fact, sometimes we don't even notice at all. But we're, we can be so motivated by pride and do things that we repent and we regret later. You know, pride can manifest itself by sometimes we try to defy the odds just to be able to stand out. We go against what everybody's saying just to be able to stand out, just to be able to promote ourselves, just to be able to show off. And that is pride. And then eventually we end up paying the consequences for it. Sometimes we buy things we shouldn't buy. It's one thing for you to attain something. Listen to this. It's one thing for you to attain something, different thing for you to sustain it. So we attain it because of the immediate status that we, that, that we get, that we want and so much crave. But then after, we pay difficult consequences. I, I don't know about you, but I'm preaching to myself on this. And we pay consequences later simply because we overextended ourselves motivated by pride. Sometimes we blame God for our shortcomings. That's also motivated by pride because we don't want to be humbled. We don't, wanna, uh, we, we don't have humility sometimes, and we blame God for our shortcomings. You know, I, I repent. I regret blaming God and being mad at God for certain situations in my life. That was my wrongdoing. It was my mistake. But what is interesting is that sometimes when, not sometimes, very often when, when we are successful... When our business is doing well, when our family is doing well, when we have, you know, a conversation with our kids and, and that parenting session went well, 
you know, we take the, the, the credit for it. We take the credit for it. And then if somebody compliments you, sometimes we say, like, you know what? Yeah, glory be to God. But inside our hearts, inside our hearts, we know. We don't say it, but we know, like, yeah, but I'm good. I'm really good. Isn't that right? Hmm. So it's very easy for us to take credit for the things when things are going well. But whenever things go wrong, the first thing we do is we start to shift the blame to something else or someone else. So we look for anyone and everything, anyone and everyone, anything and everything that we can blame. But we don't take the blame ourselves. We look to the government. We blame the government. We blame the economy. We blame our employer. We blame our employee. We blame our spouse, our kids, our neighbor, our mother-in-law, anyone that we can blame. Anyone that we can blame, we blame. And then when nobody fits the bill, then we end up blaming God. We end up blaming God. Because then all of a sudden, we are filled with faith, right? Then we pray that prayer, matter God. We pray that prayer, God, you have all the power. All of a sudden, we believe, right? You have all the power, God, and you could have avoided this. You could have done something, and you didn't do anything, so it's your fault. So we have a tendency to do that. And then we delay the inevitable, which is to realize that it is our fault. And, and when we do that, it just takes a whole lot longer for, for us to learn the lesson, number one. Number two, it, we end up doing it over and over and over again until we realize that we are the problem. But that is because we're blinded by pride. You know, I regret burning money on expensive cars when I was younger. You know, like I have nothing against people that have expensive cars. Go for it. Have fun. Enjoy it. But I'm just going to say, whenever you're, you're in your early 20s, and back then, for me, a two-bedroom condo in Framingham was $42,000. And I went out and I bought a $44,000 BMW. That's not a smart decision. <laughs> That's a dumb decision. And I regret doing that so much. You know, my, 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 my life, my financial status as far as, as a real estate is concerned would be very different today had I, had I, had I not done those are uh, stupid things. But yeah, I was motivated by pride and was blinded by pride. I regret not listening to, to people that are older, wiser, with more experience than me, simply because I thought I knew better. I would judge them to say that they are just afraid, they don't want to take risks, but I was a risk taker, so I would go and I would do things without their counsel or completely against their counsel, and then eventually I would fall flat on my face. I regret all of those things because I was blinded by pride. Are you with me? All right, number two. So pride is number one. Number two is its cousin, greed. Greed, 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 greed. Very often when you see greed at a party, you see its cousin, pride, right there as well. So greed, it, it's the monster of more. When we are consumed by the monster of more, we want more money than what we need. We, we, we should be content with what we have, we should be happy with what we have, but then we just want more and more and more, even though we don't need it. That's the monster of more, the greed. So we assume too much risks in investments, in transactions, in, in things that we do, simply because we want more. We step on people, we step on relationships, we put aside people that are key influences in our lives, simply because we want more. We don't want to listen to them, and, and we just want more. So greed and pride will drive us to do bad, bad things, and we repent later. Or the now factor, we want it and we want it now. Like I repent not, not finishing my, my degree in computer science as I set out to do out of high school. And you know why I didn't? Because I wanted to make money now. Now. I didn't want to wait four years 
And that was a bad decision. I should have finished my, my degree, but I wanted to make money now. Especially in that, my situation back then, I used to live with my parents. I had no bills whatsoever, just the stupid $44,000 car I had. But other than that, I had no bills. But I wanted more, and I want it now. And I repent, and I regret not finishing it. I regret trusting people that I shouldn't trust with my money in order for me to get just a little more gain on my money. And more, more gain and faster. And I ended up falling flat on my face. And that happened more than once to me, simply because I was motivated by greed. Hmm, I regret spending lots of money and hours researching you know, the next big thing. You know, this is going to be big. I'm going to get rich on this one. I'm going to get rich on that one. This is going to explode. It's going to be awesome. And I spent so much time, money, and effort pursuing things because I was simply blinded by greed. Is this speaking to you? Hmm. Pride and greed are often partners, like I said, and they are one. Uh, they, they, they represent basically one type of regret. There's two types of regret. One is when you regret something that you did and you're not supposed to, to do and you wish you hadn't done. But then the other type of, of, of regret is when you didn't do something that you wish you would have done. And that is number three. The, the prime, uh, primary source for that kind of regret is fear. Say fear. So we, we go through life and, and because of past experiences, uh, we are uh, crippled by fear. We're crippled by fear of rejection Fear of, of acceptance, fear of failure, fear of hurting other people, fear of getting hurt in the process, fear of work, otherwise known as laziness, fear of embarrassment, you fill in the blank. There's so many different fears that we can be driven by or, or hindered by, isn't it right? So we end up not taking a risk in that relationship because... Um, we just, we're afraid of messing up. We're afraid that it won't work. So we don't take a risk on it. But then later, 5 or 10 or 15 years down the road, we're scratching our heads and, and we're just thinking, what if I had talked talk to her? What if I had talked to him? What if I had taken that job? What if I had started that business? What if I, what if I, what if I? Isn't that right? Because we're motivated by fear or, or crippled by fear, rather, Sometimes we, we just don't do, we don't achieve what all the perfect will of God, the perfect purpose and calling that God has for us simply because we are afraid, simply because we're afraid. And that causes many regrets. Now, many people will define regret as, as a past experience or a memory of a time when you wish you would have done or acted or spoken differently than what you did. Now, I, I agree with that definition. I would just add a little thing which is really what brings the sting to it all, what, what really brings the pain to it. So my definition of it, this is in your notes, my definition of it would be regret is a painful memory of a time when you wish you would have spoken or acted differently than you did that is now impossible to change. That is now impossible to change. That's what really makes it unbearable, isn't it? It's not that you slept with that person that you shouldn't sleep with. It's that you cannot sleep with them. And the consequences are here to stay. It's not that you shouldn't drink what you drank that night. It's that you can't undrink it. And now the consequences are here to stay. Maybe you've lost your, your, your license. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe you've lost your family. And you can't take it back. 
You can't take it back. That's what makes it unbearable. It wasn't simply because maybe you were uh, an, an aggressive uh, and abusive parent or spouse. Is the fact that you can't unhurt them anymore. You can't unhurt them. And now they found somebody that will give them the love and attention that they need and deserve. It's not the fact that you smoked something you shouldn't smoke. It's that you can't unsmoke it. You get the gist of it. And we see this in, in financial decisions. We see this in, in marital decisions, relationship decisions, in sexual decisions, in employment decisions. You name it. You name it. The list is endless. It seems that whenever we escape one kind of regret, we step into a different one. Isn't that right? The question is not whether or not you have regrets, because everyone has a regret. Many regrets, I would say. The question is how to live without regrets. Is it possible to live without regrets? Well, you're always going to build up regrets because we're always going to mess up. Nobody's here is perfect. However, living without regrets means to live without the influence and the control that regrets can have on us. So you may, you may tell me, okay, I get it, but how do I live without regrets? How do I overcome my regrets? I'm going to give you three things. Number one, focus on Jesus and what he says. Focus on Jesus and what he says. The Bible says in John 15 verse 4, out of the message translation, says this, Live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you, in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine. You can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. We can't bear fruit unless we are joined with Jesus. If we're focused on our past, our past will not bear fruit. We need to be focused on Jesus, and Jesus is focused on our future. Now, notice that it says, live in me. I can be at my house. I can be, which can be any, any, any place. I can be outside. It can be inside. It can be in the front. It can be in the back on the side. It doesn't matter. I can be at my house. I can be with my house. I can be near my house. But if I'm in my house, if I look around, what do I see? I see my house because I'm in my house. So Jesus calls us here to be, to be living in him, to be completely 100% focused in him and that's what we need to do now if we focus on on regrets if we're focused on on the guilt and the shame and, and all of our mistakes and shortcomings we live constantly with a feeling of loss a feeling of self-reproach a feeling of condemnation a feeling of wrongdoing constant wrong wrongdoing is that what jesus came for no it's not it's not what jesus came for i'll tell you what he came for in his first message ever given in public, Jesus says in, in uh, Luke 4, 18 and 19, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach what? Come on, say it with me. To preach the good news. To preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed to proclaim the ear of the Lord's favor. So whenever we are focused on Jesus... The key words that come to our mind should be good news, freedom, recovery, release, and favor. Come on, say this with me. So good news, freedom, recovery, release, and favor. Jesus came to give us good news as opposed to the bad news that we have. The bad news is that, yes, we've, seen, uh, we've sinned, and, and, and no, we can't go to heaven because of our sin. The good news is that Jesus paid the price for all of our sins so we don't have to be held hostage to our past. We can be focused on our future, which is in heaven with Jesus, with God. Jesus came to bring us freedom instead of the, 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 the slavery that sometimes we feel to our past, the slavery that we feel to things that shape us and, and, and kind of 
shape our identity to who we are and, and, and shackle us down to the floor that we can't move. God came, Jesus came to give us freedom of that. Jesus came to help us to recover everything that we've lost along the way. So I, I, I repent doing X, Y, and Z, but Jesus, through Jesus, through his power that is already in work within me, I can recover everything that I've lost and then some because of his favor. Can I have an amen? Jesus came to release us from the chains and the responsibilities of our, of our past. He came to, his burden is light, the Bible says. So we need to believe what he says. And finally, Jesus came to bring us favor. And yes, you've, seen, you've sinned. Yes, you've, you've, you've made mistakes. Yes, you've hurt, you've hurt other people. And you hurt yourself in the process. But God does not hold that, that against you if you accept the sacrifice of the cross as payment for your sins, past, present, and future. God accepts you. God loves you. God favors you. He blesses you because he has good plans for you. Can I have an amen? amen. So number one, you, you, you focus on Jesus. Focus on what he says. Get to know the word of God because that's how you get to know Jesus. That's how you get to know God. Number two is you forgive yourself. Say forgive yourself. The Bible says that whenever we confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive. He is faithful and just to forgive. He is the one that can judge you. He is the one that can, that can hold you accountable because he never did. We can never look at him and say, yeah, about you. No, we can never do that because he never sinned. But, he, but the Bible says that whenever we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive. However, I venture to say to you, hear me carefully on this. I venture to say to you that in order for us to fully experience God's forgiveness, we need to forgive ourselves. Many of us are forgiven. That doesn't change the fact that we are forgiven by, by God. But many of us are forgiven but are not experiencing, not living a life experiencing God's forgiveness. Why? Because we haven't forgotten. We haven't forgiven ourselves. We haven't forgiven ourselves. So we need to get to that place where we can forgive ourselves, let ourselves off the hook uh, for mistakes we've done in the past, learn from it, and move on, and move on, and not do it again. Now, it's at, at the core of the Christian message that we are sinners, that we make mistakes, that, we, that everybody has fallen short of the glory of God, and that we need a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. But it's also at the core of the Christian message that we do have a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And He came that He paid for every single sin of ours, past, present, and future. Can I have an amen? amen? And He came to release us from the prison of our past. Now look at what Paul wrote in, in um, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, it says, for therefore now there is no what? Condemnation. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. You get that? There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Yes, you've messed up. You messed up yesterday. You will likely mess up today or tomorrow. And you're going to continue to mess up for the rest of your life because that's, how, that's what we do. We are full of failures. But if, if our lives are centered in Jesus Christ, if we truly believe that his sacrifice at the cross paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future, the Bible says that we, have, we are not condemned. There's no condemnation. God will never condemn us. Notice here, however, that it doesn't say that we won't feel condemned. It says we, we are not condemned. There is no condemnation. But it doesn't say that we don't feel or we won't from time to time feel condemned. Now, we, we may sometimes feel condemned. And that happens in two, typically in two occasions. One is when we are convicted by the Holy Spirit of something that 
that, that we're doing that is wrong. Once we invite Jesus into our heart, the Holy Spirit comes along. And when the Holy Spirit is convicting us, saying, hey, don't do that. Don't go there. Don't look at that. Don't click there. Don't talk like that. Don't do this. That's the Holy Spirit just talking to us in a, in a soft, small voice. Speaking to us, convicting us of our sin. But if everything else is so much louder, if, the, if our flesh is so much stronger, we're going to go through it and do it anyways. And then that brings condemnation. P.D. always says uh, a conviction left unattended becomes condemnation. So we feel condemned because we didn't act on the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? So that's one way. The other way is the enemy. The enemy is constantly accusing us of our sin, constantly accusing us and bringing back the past, and then we feel condemned because of it. But remember, whenever we are in Christ, the Bible says that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Whenever we are in Christ, if you feel condemned, you've got to remember the Word of God, and you've got to tell yourself, and you've got to tell the devil to back off. Tell the devil to back off and tell yourself that that is an illusion that is a lie. Can I have an amen? amen. So when we live in guilt and regret, we are listening to a voice, but that's, that voice is not God's at all. It's not God's at all. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 9 through 10, it says this. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, serpent called the devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then part B of verse 10 says this. For the accuser, which is the devil, the accuser has been thrown down to the earth, the one who accused our brothers and sisters before our God, day and night. So who accuses you? It's the devil. It's the Satan. The Satan is the one that is interested in your past, always bringing it to you. So you, you can adapt or adopt and live a life of defeat because he's always letting you know and reminding you how bad you are. That's the enemy. It's not God. God does not accuse you. God does not accuse you. So what, what does it look like? I'm going to contextualize to me. What does it look like? Let's say I skipped step one and two. Let's say I, I'm not focused on Jesus and what he says. I'm not focused on the word of God. I am uh, not forgiving myself. I'm beating myself over, uh, over something that I've done in, in, in my past, whether it's way past or recently. And then all of a sudden I start to hear this little voice. And the devil, you, you need to know this too, the devil is very subtle in his approach. He doesn't send you an email with all of your wrongdoings and say, yeah, you see, I mean, th that's what it is. Or he doesn't come up and say, ha-ha, I got you now. No, he doesn't say, he doesn't act like that. He's very subtle in his approach. And all of a sudden, I can start hearing, you know, like, yeah, I mean, you've, you've done this, this, and that. That's really not that good. You've said this and that, and that's also not good. That's not good. That's kind of a, you know, you're being kind of a hypocrite here, right? Because you're, you're leading people. That's not good, right? You're, you're counseling people on these matters, by the way, and it's not good. That's not good. You shouldn't be doing that. And I can start to rationalize and think, yeah, I mean, I have these problems, and maybe I shouldn't be, be doing this. Hmm. And then it, it, it can get to a point where, yeah, you're, you're going to be preaching on Sunday too. You're going to be speaking about X, Y, and Z, and... And are you really sure you should be doing that? Because I, I think that's kind of a, a hypocrisy. I don't know. So you, you see where the devil is going? Is, 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 is having a conversation. Very subtle approach. If I listen to the voice of the enemy, two things are going to happen. I'm going to beat myself over it. And number two, 
I may think, I may get to the conclusion that, yeah, maybe the, the most spiritual thing I can do is to stop leading, is to stop counseling, is to stop preaching, stop speaking, and eventually resign my job because I'm just not good enough. Now, some of you here today are going through that little battle in your minds right now. Some of you here today always wanted to lead a small group, but you've always been uh, uh, put down by the enemy because you keep remembering the things that you've done wrong and you disqualify yourself. You think you're not good enough because you're listening to the voice of the enemy. We have a small group semester starting right now. It's a perfect opportunity for you to step up and lead because that's how, that's, how, that's how you do it. You lead. You don't, you don't have to be perfect to lead. Otherwise, we wouldn't, I wouldn't even be here. Like Nobody would be here. We don't have to be perfect to lead. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to work on your stuff. Or sometimes you may even be thinking, you know what, I'm, I, I lead uh, in, in a certain part of the dream team. I'm, I'm, I'm either serving coffee or greeting people at the door or I'm on the worship team. And, and, and yes, I mean, I, I fall short of the glory of God. And maybe the best thing I do is to step down, is to step down. I would say completely opposite. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. You need to get involved. You need to, to work through your issues as you're serving God and you're glorifying God. Can I have an amen? amen? So C301 is tonight. If you're not involved in a team, go to C301. Find out what you're made to do. Find out your purpose and follow it. It's going to do you good. The best thing for you to get rid of these problems in your life is to focus on something bigger. Focus on something bigger and the problems, they get so small, eventually they disappear. Because you're focused on the right Thing. Can I have an amen? amen? But that's exactly how the enemy works. He wants you to be reminded of your past and of your mistakes and shortcomings. But God is always focused and pointing you towards the future. You see that in uh, Philippians 3.13. This is Paul speaking. And he says, Brothers, I did not consider that I have made of my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies what? Behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Forget the past, forget the past, and straining forward to what lies ahead. Isaiah 43, 18, 19 says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And the former things here in this context right here in the Bible is not even talking necessarily just about the bad things, but it's also about the good things. It's about the good things. Sometimes we, we, we want to live in the, in the old days, in the good old days, in the... There was even a song, I think it's Bruce Springsteen, uh, called The Glory Days or something in the 80s. You know, I'm not dating myself. I was a toddler then. Uh, <laughs> but, but there's a day, like, there's a song called Glory Days that people, people just go back and, and live in the past. Problem is that when you live in the past, you miss, you miss your present. You miss your present. You miss the, all the great things that God is doing uh, uh, to and, or can do to and through you because we live in the past. But it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing in you now. Yes. Now. But we can be so focused on the past that we miss out completely on what God is doing now. So number one, we focus on Jesus and what he says. Number two, we forgive ourselves. Number three, and last one, we turn our mess into our message. Turn your mess into your message. If I am to quote um, Romans 8.28 here, if I start to say what it is, you, you guys can probably finish the verse. That's the verse that, that, that says, For God works everything for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. 
So everybody knows that verse. I love the voice translation of that, which is a paraphrasing of that. And it says this, for we are confident that God is able to orchestrate what? Everything. Everything. Everything in my past. All the good things in my past, all the bad things in my past. Everything that I'm doing now, good and bad. Everything that I will do in the future, good and bad. For God is able to orchestrate everything to work towards something good and beautiful when we love him and we accept his invitation to live according to his plan. So God can turn your mess into a message. You need to allow him to do that. And you need to let go of your past. You need to let go of all of your regrets and fears that has been dictating perhaps how you've lived your life so far. What is God interested in? Is God, God is interested in your future. And God wants you to be focused on your future as well. Some of the most powerful messages that we can possibly hear come from people that struggled in that particular area. Some of the most powerful messages on marriage are people that almost lost their marriage or lost their marriage, but they were able to overcome by the power of God. Some of the most powerful messages on overcoming addictions are people that, that lost everything and, and they really hit rock bottom. But then by the power of God, it's only the power of God. By the power of God, they were able to turn things around and turn their mess into their message. Most powerful messages you can hear on finances, in relationships, in parenting, in anger management, in whatever, you, you name it, are the people that went through it. Not from the people that went through it. Typically, simply because they were able to turn their message to their message. They are people that are living, at least in that particular area, they're living without regrets. They do have regrets. However, regrets don't have them. Can I have an amen? We can hold on tight to our regrets and not let go. Or we can open our hands, release it, and then just be ready to receive what God has for us. It's really our choice. You guys can stand on your feet. So the whole thing is a process. The whole thing is a process. To turn your message into a message is a process. We need to, we need to do what Romans 12, 2 says. That we need to be renewed by the word of God. To not be conformed with the patterns of this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. By reading the Bible, by getting to know Jesus, by immersing ourselves in Jesus. The NLT translation says, uh, by, by, the, by changing the way we think. You can't expect to get different results if you keep thinking the same way. We need to change the way we think. We need to change the way we look at things in the past. Now, the purpose of this message is not to, 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 to help you or to give you a little trick to live without pain. Pain is an inevitable. It will always come. It will always come because of the decisions that we make. And pain very often can be beneficial because it helps us to grow. It helps us in so many different ways. But the key to this message is to leave the power and the control and the influence of our past behind us and be able to focus on our future. Now, if this message is reaching you today, if you're thinking of things in the past that you wish you hadn't done but that you did and it shaped your life into what it is now, or maybe things that you wish you had done and you didn't, and if that's speaking to you, I mean, every, every eye closed, every head bowed. If that is speaking to you today, 
Just raise your hand all over the room. Yep. Basically, almost every single hand is raised. Yeah. When my son does something wrong and I confront him on it, very rarely, if ever, he will look at me in the eye. He always comes with his head down looking to the floor, which is the same way that we are now, with our heads down. But he does that in guilt and shame. And then daddy has a conversation with him, instructs him, loves on him. And that is exactly what we need to do today. Notice that the same position that we can be holding the guilt and the shame and the, and, and, and the regrets, and it can be very heavy on our shoulders, is the same position that we just surrender to God. So if you raise your hand, just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, because of you, my head is hung now. Not in shame or regret, but bowed in gratitude for all you've done for me. I've listened for too long to the one who accuses me day and night. I reject these accusations and I thank you for the fact that there is no condemnation for me because I am in you. And you paid to buy my freedom and release me from the chokehold of my past. I surrender my regrets, my guilt, and I ask you that you would free me from the chains, from the control of my past, from the control that it has had over my life. Change my way of thinking about myself and about you. Teach me, Lord, to see my fears and failures, not as stumbling blocks, but as the platform on which I declare your power, your love, and your grace. In Jesus' name. Maybe some of you here today have not yet accepted the sacrifice of the cross as payment for your sin. And you live day and night with those accusations in your, in your mind. You know that you've done wrong. You know that you've wronged many people. You know that you've wronged yourself. And maybe at, a, at, a some, level, at some level you know that you've wronged God as well. But so far you, you, you've lived try, trying to just outweigh your mistakes. Trying to do more good than bad. And you have realized already that you just can't win. You just can't save yourself. And if you're ready to give your heart to Christ, to surrender to Christ and accept His payment on the cross as payment for all your sins, past, present, and future. Every eye closed, every head bowed. This is between you, me, and God. I promise not to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you to the front or anything like that. If that is you today, just raise your hand boldly. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand here. Another hand right here. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you very much. I see the hand in the back. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Church, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice at the cross. I realize 
I can't make it to heaven on my own. I realize I need a Savior. And I now know that you're my Savior, that you died for me. And from this day forward, I decide to live for you. I surrender my efforts to try to make it to heaven on my own. But I believe that you are my ticket to heaven. And I thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a big amen, amen and amen. Come on. Give God a big praise.